Welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast, where we share information to empower you to be your own health hero. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Move Daily Health Podcast. I'm Dane Wallace here again with Freya Spence, and today we have a special guest with us, Evgenia Cabanova. She is an animal flow master instructor and driven by her background as an ex-professional athlete and an undeniable passion for animal flow, Eve decided to pursue a master's degree in physical culture and sport conducting and presenting original research using the animal flow program as her dissertation. So we are very excited to have Eve on the Move Daily Health podcast today. So welcome, Eve. Hello, Dane. Hello, Freya. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And thank you so much for such a great introduction. Actually, it will be my first podcast ever. I'm very excited and at the same time, just a little bit nervous. So I'm very happy to be here with you today. We find that that is completely uh, normal. It's exciting that this is your first one, but normal about the nervousness. And if anyone's going to trip on their words, it's probably going to be myself or Dane. <laughs> yeah, as, uh, as our listeners may know, sometimes throats and mouths just don't work. You know, sometimes we trip on our words and that is okay. But it's, <laughs> it's a big shock to me that you've never been on a podcast because as we'll, we'll get into your research and stuff, but we know you're very, very knowledgeable. You have, you know, a background as a professional athlete. So uh, we're very, very blessed to have you on the show today. So welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, the reason why I have never been to any podcast it's because in Russia we don't use them or listen to them quite often and uh, not only is my first podcast ever it's my first interview in English so <laughs> I'm really happy to be uh, here with you uh, to have this podcast and to have this interview in English as well. Well, you are doing incredibly well for your first time at all of this. And, um, you know, you could fool people by saying this was your first time in English. <laughs> Absolutely. Your English is fantastic. <laughs> I had, I don't think that's anything that's going to hold you back. But uh, like I said, I'll probably make as many mistakes with English as you will. But that's just me. That's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I will try my best not to do any mistakes. But if I do, uh, please forgive me for that. <laughs> You are already preemptively forgiven. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Well, so you have um, quite the acumen, and I know that you're still in the process of gathering data and and finishing things up within your research currently, but your own experience with movement extends quite far back. Can you give our listeners just a little bit of background in terms of when you started exploring movement and then the path that took you on that ultimately led you to discovering animal flow, which then became the subject of your of your research? Yes, sure. That's quite a big question. And uh, I guess it will require a lot of words to say, but uh, I will try to be as brief as possible. So I started my movement journey uh, as an athlete, as a professional athlete, I did sport acrobatics. I started doing it since I was five years old and I was competing and was a member of Russian national acrobatics team. I was competing in the category of women's pairs. And uh, we have actually different categories in acrobatics. And if you don't know what acrobatics is, 
It's a non-Olympic kind of sport, so uh, not all of the people know what it is. And if you ever, if you have ever seen the performance of Cirque du Soleil, the Canadian circus, uh, that's uh, what you see in our sport. Uh, a lot of acrobats perform in the circus. So that's what I was doing with my partner. I basically was working in a woman's fair. I was the base. She was the flyer. And uh, we did some crazy acrobatics elements. And uh, when I look back now to my videos and to my photos of what I did back in the days, uh, now I can hardly believe I did those difficult elements. So uh, my last competition in acrobatics was in 2001. It was the World Acrobatics Age Group Games, where me and my partner became the winners of uh, all of the exercises. And this was actually the finishing of my sport career. Um, I got a lot of injuries during my uh, sport time and um, after this competition, I had to finish it. Uh, after the surgery, I didn't know what I would do in terms of movement. And uh, I just uh, figured out that I could actually dance. And I started dancing. I was a dancer for about 10 years. Uh, I was a dancer myself. I created my dance studio, my dance crew. And... Uh, Besides that, I started to organize different dance events like battles, shows, concerts, different um, TV shows, different online projects, uh, everything that was related to dancing. And I was in this industry for, 10, for more than 10 years, since 2003 till 2019. And uh, my last competition as a dancer was back in 2015. And I had to stop dancing as well because of my uh, lower back pain. Uh, it got stronger and stronger after I finished my sport career. And it was like the consequence of uh, my professional sport. And I had to leave dancing as well. And the following four years were quite difficult to me in terms of um, the movement because I got used to move every day, do my daily routine. And uh, during the next four years after I stopped dancing, I couldn't do any sharp movements, couldn't jump, couldn't run, couldn't lift any weights. And it was like a hard period for me where I was searching for some type of movement or some program which could help me to get back on track with my daily routine. And uh, that's how I found Animal Flow in four years in 2019. I accidentally came across the video in Instagram, uh, which was actually the video of my future master instructor, Richard. Um, I saw his video and uh, I fell in love with this program immediately. So as soon as I texted Rich and asked about the workshop, he said that he's going to do the workshop in Poland in the nearest time. And I immediately registered. And in a month, I was in Poland uh, to do my first level one workshop that's how i got into animal flow thank you for that recap um i i knew it was a loaded question when i asked you because we are privy to some of some of your history but i think um one of, yeah one of the biggest challenges 
there that you touched on is just when you have a sport like that that consumes every hour of every day, even if you're not doing it, you're thinking about it, you're planning for it, uh, your whole life is structured around competition and around training and then leaving those environments is is very challenging. It's It's kind of like you're just totally groundless on empty space you've got a lot of skill and discipline and um in in your context leadership as well particularly with regards to everything that you did when you were dancing but it can still be very difficult as you know finding your own motivation to move again and also accepting the fact that you know what I have to make the choice to leave now otherwise this pain is just going to get so much worse and it's the it's the hidden consequence that I think the public eye doesn't see with professional athletes um they just see these amazing strong movers who are doing these incredible feats and they don't realize that there's like actually there's a very hefty price to pay sometimes or or many times and you know you look at retirement from things like that when you're still actually very very young so it sounds like uh you know, for you would have been certainly a, a very personal and challenging process, but for us on the outside, looks like you just managed to spin gold into the next thing and carry your experience over into the next and into the next. And um, one of the things that we wanted to just ask you about is throughout your years as a leader, how did that contribute to your expertise that you brought to the table in becoming a master instructor for the animal flow program yeah basically what you have said right now everything is right people don't see the back side of the metal uh, when you do professional sport and when you dedicate all your life to it uh, it's kind of difficult to finish a certain period of your life and then continue living uh, like a normal person because you had uh, one purpose of, for example, I don't know, getting some degree, athletes degree or winning some certain competition and all your trainings and all your time and all your life was dedicated to that goal. And when that goal is achieved and uh, you don't have anything in front of you anymore, uh, you feel a little bit lost. Well, I would say not a little bit. You feel completely lost. Mm -hmm. So that's how I felt. After finishing my sport career, I didn't know uh, completely what I would do. Uh, and it took me a couple of years to find uh, the type of movement which I was comfortable with and it, it became dancing. So two years were very hard. Uh, those two years were very hard for me. And uh, after I finished dancing, uh, again, it was difficult uh, that period when I couldn't do simply anything in order to keep myself in shape. Uh, it was also very challenging. So people don't see this struggle. Uh, they just see the final result, which you can show through your work um, with your students or uh, with your results. Uh, so yeah, you, you said everything right, that uh, it, it was not easy. Um, and the second question was, uh, my previous experience, uh, starting from the very beginning, from the uh, beginning of my sport career uh, till uh, finishing my 
a dancing career. Uh, it all helped me to establish my leadership qualities that are now helping me a lot with what I do in animal flow. So um, what I've learned in sport when I was competing, when I was a professional athlete, uh, it really gave me a lot. It gave me confidence. It gave me um, the possibility to set clear goals in front of me and to each to achieve those goals. And uh, this is a very important quality, I think, for a person who is leading uh, some community. And uh, it really helped me uh, when I started to lead Russian animal flow community. Um, where we started completely from scratch, from zero, uh, where we had nobody uh, known animal flow program. And uh, those qualities definitely helped me to uh, create that little but strong community and uh, to lead it in the best way possible. Thank you for that. And, and we, I just wanted to chime in that Animal Flow in Russia has exploded in popularity ever since you took over as the master instructor. So can you elaborate a little bit on how you have been involved in guiding that process? Because it's been a stark contrast to where it was before you and now. Yeah. So Animal Flow in Russia started in uh, March 2020 when uh, my master instructor, Richard, came to Russia to conduct first round of animal flow workshops in our country. I wasn't the master instructor uh, that time yet, um, but I started my teachbacks already to, to become the master instructor. So I was assisting those workshops to reach. And uh, since that time, I started my way uh, to show the good personal example first. I think it's very important to show personal example, uh, to be good in what you're doing, meaning that you should have a clear, correct and precise technique in the program that you're practicing. And it doesn't have to be uh, really difficult elements or difficult stuff. It just should be very technically correct. I think that's important. And I started to work on my technique first, showing the good example to people who were watching my videos, who were asking about the program. And when I became a master instructor, I started to really share my energy with my students. Um, and uh, I never refused to help, to answer any questions. I never refused uh, to support them when they needed my support. And I tried to always stay connected with uh, that very small community which was created that time. And that's how we uh, kept going together. Uh, we kept communicating, we kept uh, developing our techniques together. And I was growing together with them because I believe that when you teach someone to be better, you grow yourself. So yeah, just simply being a good example to the people you teach is the most important thing and to share your energy, your time, um, your advices was very important at that time. And I think that helped me to create that community at the very beginning. Yeah, and we would agree that that's, it's not like you just started that as a way to 
begin the community as an ignition, you sustain that beautifully with that ongoing support of all of the people who are in the community that you've built from what we can see. And uh, we did have a question for you in terms of what it takes to be a great MI in any program. And I, I feel like you've actually already sort of touched on some of it, some of it being your own personal practice and, and really delving into the specifics so that you can demonstrate a great example on any level and so that you can develop your own understanding or deeper understanding of the system that you're teaching. But is there anything else that you think makes for a great MI in any program? Yeah, that's a great and interesting question. And uh, I really think about it all the time. What do uh, a person need uh, to become a really great professional in the field where he's or she's working? So um, I guess several things are very important. So first of all, like you have already mentioned, it's the expertise and knowledge in the program that you're working with. And uh, second can be, let's say, skills and technique because people see your performance and uh, their reaction depends on what they see. So it should be technically correct uh, and your technique should be uh, on a high level. And again, it shouldn't be like something difficult or uh, outstanding or some uh, acrobatics element, gymnastics elements. It just uh, it's just enough to be technically correct in your in your performance. And um, two more points I would like to highlight uh, here is presentation skills because how you present the program plays a very big role and. You should have, any master instructor, I guess, should have those great soft skills to present his program on the workshops, on some educational events. It's very important to clearly explain the things and to know how to do it in the best way. So presentation skills can be a really important factor. So it's just a combination of everything, you know, the expertise, the knowledge, uh, skills and technique, uh, soft skills like presentation skills, and all of that combined can uh, um, present uh, the master instructor in any program in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. I think you touched on a lot of really important points there. And uh, I, again, I just want to go back for the audience, reminding them that like Eve has been in the fitness industry in professional athletics for like the entirety of her career. And something that she's had to deal with a lot is adversity of, you know, when she had the injuries when she was younger and then starting up the dancing and then having the injuries there. And as a professional athlete, when that happens, even I'll speak from my own experience as a non-professional athlete, when you get injuries and you can't do what, you know, you've been training to do for so long, it is such an incredibly deflating process. And a lot of athletes along the way, lose lose their track and and don't stick with it and don't have that skill to overcome that adversity so for eve that's i think another feather in her cap that she's overcome so much and she's been able to roll in these skills into becoming this master instructor and and part of being a master instructor is not only that you are delivering courses so you have to as, as she said you have to demonstrate all the movements you have to make sure everyone learns them and then there's also the test out process and so 
this means is basically grading test outs. So there's a, a grading format to make sure that instructors are all teaching the same thing. They all understand the material. And you have to have a good eye for movement and you have to understand the learning process as well. So for somebody who has gone through so much adversity, um, even somebody who definitely really knows what it is to overcome, to fail and overcome and fail and overcome. Can you touch base on that a little bit, Eve, kind of tapping back into your former professional career and how that adversity helps you become um, not only just a better athlete over time, but has now contributed to the coach and the master instructor that you are today? Yeah, sure. So regarding assessing the test outs and evaluating the test outs um, in animal flow program, because uh, I am being a master instructor only for animal flow program and I don't assess any other test outs. <laughs> except for animal flow test outs. Uh, I think, uh, first of all, it's important to teach properly uh, during the workshop, um, during the process of studying, and it's important to clearly explain the things and uh, let your students know how it should be done. And then um, you are uh starting to assess those test outs and evaluate those test outs uh, in the way that you are doing it usually uh, regarding my experience of uh, evaluating those test outs i am a very strict um with with this thing so uh wh when i when i evaluate the test outs i require uh all of the points to be uh, on top um, because I have explained all those points during the workshop. So my students all know that uh, they have to do those certain things in order to pass the test out. And I'm being very strict, very strict with that. But um, in spite of, uh, I don't know, wanting to have more instructors in the country, especially when you have started from zero, you want to develop uh, the program in the country, you want to develop the community, of course, you want to have more instructors. Uh, I think that it is very important not to forget about the quality of those instructors. And that's why I believe that uh, a master instructor should be very strict with assessing the test out and uh, the quality and integrity of the program should be the top priority. So when I'm assessing the test outs, I don't think about how many instructors can we have. It's all about the quality and the integrity of the program. So it's better for me to have less, but they would be uh, better coaches because uh, they will understand uh, their mistakes they will work on their mistakes and they will have a very high quality performance and high quality teaching. So uh, regarding the evaluation of the test outs, I'm being, being very strict with it and my students all know it. And uh, like I say uh, during my workshop, uh, my students are very lucky with me because I explain the things in detail. I love to do that. I love my students to understand every single detail of the movement but at the same time they're not lucky with me because I'm very strict when assessing and evaluating their test out so yeah something like that I hope I answered your question yes absolutely 
Yeah, I think um, we're just laughing because, I, I mean, we appreciate that way of, of delivering um, and, and don't think that, especially when it comes to someone's own movement progress, but more importantly, the fact that we're training instructors and coaches who are going to be helping other people take care of their movement. It is so important that we have people who are very strong with their technique. And even if it means that, yeah, sure, they're strict, but we would, we should want that because it means that we're also going to get the feedback someone who's marking it in a strict way is going to be providing the feedback so that that coach or instructor can be even better the next time round, which means they're going to be applying the tools confidently to their clients versus not being 100% sure or thinking that they're 100% sure, but doing some incorrect things that may not help maintain joint integrity. And on that note, you are currently doing some research that is looking at, well, it's it's an emerging field. Um, you are conducting research on quadrupedal movement utilizing the animal flow system. And of course, that contributes heavily to joint integrity. Can you give us some insight into how you came about deciding on your topic and how you're going to approach it? Because we know that with quadrupedal movement, you could take, you could study this in so many different ways, in so many different populations, because the field currently is quite small with a lot of potential. So can you tell us how you chose the route that you chose when it came to your research topic? Yes, I could definitely tell you uh, some story behind it. So when I entered the university, it was uh, 2019 and uh, Exactly the same year, I became level one certified for animal flow, and uh, I was already an instructor. And when I entered the university, I, of course, wanted to use animal flow as the topic for my research. So as soon as I got approval from Mike uh, to use uh, animal flow for my research, I was very happy to start uh, my research straight away, and I started it in 2019. And the reason why I wanted to choose animal flow for the topic of my research was uh, that I wanted to get a deeper knowledge into the program. I wanted to get uh, more qualified in what I do because I was working with people and uh, I really wanted to be more professional in it, to have a deeper knowledge. And I knew that this research would help me to uh, find more information, to uh, know more about the program, get deeper into the program, and uh, to then eventually work with people on a more professional way. So, um, yeah, that's how um, I started. And uh, from another point of view, I also wanted to help my university uh, to have some kind of completely new research, new work, because uh, nobody did a research on animal flow at my university before and on any quadrupedal movement uh, in my university before. So I was the first one. And I actually wanted my university and to be exact, my institute where I study uh, to use animal flow program as uh, a standalone class uh, for the education process. And I really hope that 
it will happen when I finalize my research and uh, when I will graduate from the university. So uh, basically, I had uh, two goals to become uh, more professional in what I do, getting a deeper knowledge in the program and uh, to contribute into my university somehow bringing them a new program for their education process. Oh, that's that's amazing. And I was just wondering, um, as, as Freya said, quadrupedal movement is a bit of an emerging field. Uh, so it's really growing. And as we know, the animal flow system is based on the principles of quadrupedal movement. Uh, for, you know, we speak about animal flow on the show quite a bit, but can you just explain a little bit to the audience uh, some of the benefits of quadrupedal movement um, and why this is a, such an emerging field and so beneficial for uh, human health moving forward? Yeah. I will answer this question based on the data I already have from my research and from my pedagogical experiments with two of my experimental groups. One experimental group is still going through the process of training and we are finalizing our training process in about a month. But one, exper one experimental group has already finished its experiment and I can see the results and the results are uh, the following. So we have a great increase in the indicators of physical abilities tests and uh, the greatest increase uh, was shown in the test for static and dynamic balance. So uh, we used a special test for uh, testing those abilities. Uh, for static balance, we used a very difficult version of the Romberg test, uh, standing on one leg uh, with closed eyes, um, arms are stretched forward, parallel to the ground, and uh, we just hold that position for as much as we could. Um, and that was a great increase in those indicators before and after the experiment. And for the dynamic balance, we used a walking test uh, so we draw a circle on the ground with uh, a corridor attached to it. And uh, we were standing inside of the circle in a hinge position with a closed eyes. And we were turning around for 15 seconds. And then after 15 seconds, we stood up, closed the, uh, opened the eyes. And then we should go within that corridor. Uh, that corridor was five meters length. And uh, we should... We should not step out of that corridor. So before the experiment, we had some steps out uh, from that corridor. And after the experiment, everybody walked through that corridor without any stepping out. So it was a great increase in the dynamic balance test. Uh, we also had uh, some shoulder mobility tests, spine mobility tests, and power explosive ability tests. Uh, those tests uh, have, show, have shown a little bit less increase in the indicators, but still uh, spine and shoulder mobility showed a good increase. Uh, and for power explosive abilities, uh, it was the smallest increase, uh, probably because I, I think that our program was comprised of mostly level one movements where we don't have any jumps or power explosive movements. Uh, we have them in level two, but we mostly were using level one movements from animal flow, and uh, we were concentrating our attention on balance and coordination and the slow movements uh, in general. 
That's why the increase in power explosive abilities was not that high. And we also had some motivation tests. So we had two questionnaires uh, for the first experimental group, uh, which we did before and after experiments. Uh, we had uh, so-called, in Russia we call it, condition activity mood test. Uh, there are three indicators which we measured, and also self-health assessment test. So they answered, uh, the participants answered uh, questions uh, from each of the tests, and then we compared the results before and after the experiment. So the results were also uh, having positive dynamics. So in general, I can say that working with the first experimental group, we had an increase of all of the indicators in physical abilities as well as uh, motivation about, uh, motivation tests. That's wonderful. So if, if I were to summarize in, in layman's terms for the people who may not completely understand what the uh, specific assessments were within your first experimental group so far the data is showing that they're better at balance related tests both static and dynamic so for anybody who's concerned about perhaps bone health and falls that would be especially relevant to them right because we have a if we have improved our dynamic balance then and of course our static balance, particularly without the eyes. A lot of people who have poor balance rely too heavily on their eyes in order to maintain it. So it's wonderful that you saw that in a closed eye test improve. And then in addition to that, you were saying that um, the spine mobility and shoulder mobility also improved. Those are huge things because here, I don't know if the same is, is true in Russia, but here shoulder pain, back pain, and knee pain are, are still right up there in some of the most common sources of pain that people experience. And uh, a loss in spine mobility is actually a very big perpetrator of some of that. And then understandably, the power side of things wasn't developed, but that would come with more time and more experience within the program, given that you know, with level one, we need to really train the basics, owning slow and, and controlling movement before we start to, it's the same as, you know, babies need to crawl before they start running and sprinting. I'm not calling the participants infants, of course, but with any skill acquisition, we are new within it. So we are in our infancy of the training. And so that brings me to my question. What, uh, two questions, what were the age brackets on your experimental group just so that our listeners know and then what was the general level of athleticism within your group so were these people who were ex-athletes or current athletes or were they you know pretty beginner in their movement experience yeah so the age of uh, the participants of my both experimental groups is between 30 and 35 it's, uh, first of all, it's my age group, and uh, I'm also part of the second experimental group, and my scientific director is also part of this experimental group, so we both take part in this pedagogical experiment uh, to test ourselves as well. And uh, the age of all of the participants is 30-35, and I have two experimental groups, uh, so no control groups, only two experimental groups, and the goal is to 
compare the indicators before and after the experiments of each group. So we're not comparing them uh, between each other. We're comparing only the results before and after the experiments. And the first group where we had 12 women, so it's only for women uh, because most of my clients are women and I have decided to just offer them to be part of my pedagogical experiments and uh, they were very happy with uh, that suggestion, so they accepted the invitation to be part of the experiments uh, with, with pleasure. So first group uh, was my client's group where I had 12 women aged 30, 35, and their level of physical fitness is average. So they're not professional athletes. They never did professional sports. They're just fitness enthusiasts who love to move and who want to try something new. And in this case, it is animal flow program. So uh, they started from scratch with that pedagogical experiments, uh, and we just started learning animal flow with them from zero. And my second experimental group, which is going through the process of training and finalizing the experiment right now. So we still have one month to go to finalize the pedagogical experiment with the second experimental group, which is also the same age, 30, 35. Uh, but we only have five women in this group and they're all professional athletes including me and my scientific director. So I did acrobatics. My scientific director, um, who is also a certified level uh, two animal flow instructor, and all of the participants of this experimental group are, by the way, uh, certified animal flow instructors. So my scientific director, she did athletics. Uh, the other girls did rhythmic gymnastics, one girl did volleyball professionally, and uh, the last girl did bodybuilding. So this is the second experimental group of former professional athletes, and of course uh, their level of physical fitness is very high. So uh, when uh, we tested this group before the experiment, uh, the indicators were much, much higher than uh, from the first experimental group. And I hope they will still be able to grow after we finish our pedagogical experiments because uh, we actually have a lot more assignments uh, to be done during the experiment than the first experimental group due to their lower level of physical fitness. That's great that you, you separated those into two different groups. I think that's a very smart uh, experimental design. And that's one of the things I love the most about animal flow. Uh, Frey and I both have clients who, again, would, would fit into both of those categories where there are people who have a, a long history of, of athletics and then other clients who do not at all have no movement background, like quite literally none at all. And you can introduce animal flow to both of these populations and in our anecdotal experience, I know that even the, the former athletes often get a really big improvement in like across the board, whether it's in mobility or stability at joints. Um, a lot of athletes who have had, you know, nagging shoulder pain or low back pain, and then we introduce animal flow and suddenly those things disappear after a few weeks. So it's a, it's a feather in the cap, I would say, of the animal flow system 
that it can help people across the board, whether you are a professional athlete or somebody who has never moved before in their lives. So, Oh, that, that's so true. Uh, everything that you have just said, that's true because uh, it was proven on me, on myself. When I started to do animal flow, I had a very severe back, a lower back pain and I couldn't get rid of it. And it started to get worse and worse uh, throughout the years. And when I started to do animal flow, my goal was to be back to my daily routine. But uh, animal flow program not only made my body stronger, more functional, uh, more flexible, more mobile, but uh, it made my body even uh, I don't know, even better than when I was doing professional sports. I know it sounds paradoxically, but it is the fact because I have never had such a control of my body and of my movement in space like I have now. So program really works and uh, it was proven on myself. I felt those advantages myself. And uh, when I really understood the benefits of this program, uh, being a certified instructor only, not being a master instructor yet, I decided that I would do everything in order to introduce this program to as many people as possible in my country, because if it helped me to cope up with my problems, my lower back problem, it should help some other people with, with the same problems so it really works and I'm so grateful that I once came across this program and now I can share this message to all of the people and uh, it really helps my students to overcome the same problem. Well, thank you for that, because uh, thank you for sharing that anecdote, I should say, because I do think that sometimes people see it online and get intimidated by it. But as your research, as you've so gracefully shared with us, as your research showed, uh, surely they got physical improvements, but they also, from the sounds of it, had motivation to continue. And I, I do think that anything that can make people feel better physically gets some buy-in and to your point about athletics one thing that I think for anybody who's been in a degree of competitive athletics whether pro or not they will appreciate that the athletics itself or themselves depending on what how many you're involved in can cause quite a quite a bit of wear and tear and all of them require specificity that creates joint bias so to your point about control and that you are better at controlling now um i'm not surprised to hear you say that only because i understand a lot of the joint biases that my body went through with you know 18 years of classical ballet but I think it's it's very easy to see somebody, especially because you had such tremendous physical ability in acrobatics and dance, see somebody who has such visible control and to hear you say, oh, you gained more control or a different control with this other system, but more importantly, that this kind of load variability and control has made your joints feel better because sometimes the degree of control someone expresses in a sport is very great and specific for that sport but it doesn't mean it has served us in terms of our day-to-day life demands and that becomes you know it, it if we are starting to experience pain repeatedly that's not motivating for any of us so it's lovely that you found that 
you could gain even greater control than you thought possible for somebody who already had a phenomenal control. But then that that took you away from that very limiting pain experience and ultimately motivated for for even more. Yes, definitely. And I could even uh, mention or set an example in order to prove your words. Uh, When I was uh, doing my professional sport, uh, I, as I mentioned, I did acrobatics and uh, I spent like a lot of time being upside down, doing different handstands, doing different backflips, somersaults and all that stuff. I was feeling pretty comfortable being upside down, but I never actually did a proper handstand. I realized it when I started practicing animal flow and um, I never actually felt that strong handstand position because my shoulders were not uh, properly prepared for that. I didn't do any conditioning when I was doing acrobatics. We were just learning the handstand uh, without any uh, step-by-step progressions you know uh and when i started to practice animal flow and especially when i took level two workshop with mike online i realized that um there is (laughs) completely another way of uh, joint preparation for a certain element for a certain movement and this is the right way of how to do it and uh, although i was an acrobatic athlete, uh, I really felt that I couldn't do my tug balance very well. And I started my practicing, well, let's say from scratch, because uh, I didn't know anything about conditioning. I didn't know anything about proper progressions because I just learned the handstand of how it is. Uh, Just do the handstand and that's it. But here in Animal Flow, Mike gives such a tremendous step-by-step instructions and proper progressions of how to prepare yourself and your joints for that particular difficult element and difficult position like a tug balance. And I started working with those activations and with those conditioning exercises. And I really felt that I improved in such a short period of time and uh, then I realized that I'm having a tug balance position right now and I feel pretty strong and very comfortable with it because I have a strong shoulder joint now and I'm ready for that tug balance now but I wasn't ready for it when I was doing acrobatics I know it sounds like really strange but it was like that so that's just the example to prove your words. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that kind of spells out there are a lot of ways to accomplish things in life. And you can do a lot of things, especially physical endeavors. And this kind of takes me back to the, the idea of professional sports and athletes. And, you know, you, you get the outcome you want a lot of the times, but there's not enough longevity within a lot of those movements and a lot of those skills. And so I think, right. again, the, the animal flow system and the quadrupedal movement that you're doing research on is uh is that kind of piece that maybe a lot of us have been missing that can really help us get that longevity piece into the movements that we do love definitely i agree with you 100 percent. first of all because it's safe you know it, it's safe for your health and for your joints 
and uh, second it really helps you to grow and improve through this movement so I totally agree with you 100 percent um and with with everything that you have learned through your research as much as you still have a little bit to go how has that perhaps changed how you approach some of your leadership roles uh both in in teaching or in like teaching new and new students or in guiding the instructors that are already a part of the community that you've fostered or even in interacting with your clients? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I have to just think about it. And uh, talking about my personal qualities, which I have developed throughout my way um, since I started teaching animal flow and since I became a master instructor, um, I've certainly developed my presentation skills because you know public speaking has always been a challenge to me and uh, i was always uh, nervous and uh, i was always doing something wrong but with uh, delivering animal flow workshops i got really better in this of course there is a lot to improve and i'm working on it i keep working on it but um, it's been a really great progress and i and i see this progress and uh, in terms of uh, patience, uh, I also developed that skill because, you know, when you're having a lot of students always asking you something, always wanting something from you, uh, always approaching you, you have to be really patient and uh, to give your time and your energy to everyone. And uh, what I also can say that I've developed is the individual approach to people because uh, when again you have many students all the students are different so every person is unique and uh, every person needs a special and individual approach so this is what I developed in myself and uh, of course I keep developing it uh, throughout the time and uh, uh, you, you never stop growing and uh, my goal is to, to keep developing in, in those uh, fields and regarding my students what I'm trying to teach them let's say consistency because uh, they know from my workshops that uh, if you are consistent in your practice uh, in your skill practice in your teaching practice you will always grow, you will always improve, and you will always become better. So it's consistency first, what I teach to my students, and it's dedication, I guess. So if you want to achieve some goals or achieve some results, uh, you have to be really dedicated to what you're doing. And uh, That's what I also always explain to my students when they're starting to prepare for their test out. Uh, I always say that if you're dedicated, you will get the good result, but you have to put a lot of effort into it. You have to do it consistently and uh, you just simply have to be dedicated to it in order to get a 100% result. So yeah, that, that's what I developed in myself and uh, that's what I'm trying to develop in my students. That's wonderful. And uh, thank you for sharing that. I think, I. Couldn't agree more, but I think that um, you emphasizing that that dedication and consistency is 
no doubt incredibly helpful for instructors and for people who are preparing test outs, but even beyond the test outs, because I know that it is so tempting for a lot of people in our industry to go into something, take the course, then make sure they pass and then leave it or, or not even make sure they they pass. They may, may just decide, oh, you know what, that's too much, too much time. I don't have time for that right now. Uh, so making it a conscious decision to stay dedicated to a process ensures success because as much as, you know, there are timelines to test outs, there's, there's no timeline for somebody's personal progress with a skill. Sure, sure. And I think the difference uh, of animal flow, of animal flow program uh, in comparison with the other programs uh, that exist, uh, I think the main advantage and the main difference is that when you when you finish your test out uh, process, your growth and your journey is only starting because you have the access to the Facebook group uh, of certified instructors. You can share your practice. You can share your movement. You can get the feedback and you can start growing from there even more. And it's never ending process. So I've never seen any other program in the world. I've taken many workshops, but I've never seen that anywhere else people continue practicing and learning and growing after uh, getting certified. So they are completely forgotten by a master instructor who is teaching that program after they get certified. But in our program, everything is different. So your journey is only starting when you get certified. So you can grow and you can continue practicing and you can be an active part of the international global community. So the journey has already stopped has only started when you become certified. And that's the difference. Yeah, that's very well put. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Eve, I think we could, uh, we could talk to you for, for hours on here and keep picking your brain about your research and about animal flow, but I think we're going to try and wrap this one up here. Um, but before we go, we always ask our guests one question, and it's, do you have a book recommendation for the audience? Yes, of course. I read. Uh, I try to read as much as I can um, according to my free time. Uh, but uh, the recent book I've read was um, "The Body Keeps the Score" by uh, Bessel van der Kolk, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's correct. The name of the author, the author. I really, really liked that book, and that helped me to. Uh, really understand the whole process of the human body and the brain working together, uh, the whole mental state of uh, of the person, of how it's working and how the system works. It was uh, a little bit hard to read it because uh, of uh, all those violent situations which author m- mentions um, yeah. in the book. But in general, uh, this book is really good one, and I really recommend it to anyone who does any type of movement or coaching because that psychological factor is so important to be taken into account when you're coaching people. Um, it it just it plays a tremendous role in the movement. Your movement can be blocked simply by simply because of that 
uh, psychological factor and uh, the coach may not even know about it. So I think uh, it's a very important information mentioned in that book and I really recommend everyone to read it if they have time. Absolutely. I think we've brought that one up before on here, but it bears repeating uh, for all of the reasons that you listed. I usually, when I recommend it to a fellow coach or a client where appropriate, I will tell them to read it before 3 p.m. and to pair it with something much lighter, just because it's one of those ones where if you, it's not a cover to cover, read it the whole way through in a really quick, short succession. There's a lot of information there to digest. But to your point, there are also a lot of challenging stories, uh, real stories to read about. So if you pair it with something lighter and just don't read it right before bed, it usually allows you to reflect on the information versus be riled up by it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, agree. Agree 100%. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for that book recommendation. And again, thank you so much for coming on the Move Daily Health podcast today, Eve. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you as somebody who has, you know, got such a rich athletic history as you do, um, now become a teacher of teachers, uh, and now a great public speaker as well, as, we, as we've heard today. Uh, there, there really aren't too many people out there with a resume like yours. So thank you so much for joining us today on the Move Daily Health podcast. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much, Dean. Thank you so much, Freya. It was a pleasure to me to speak with you today and to spend with you uh, this hour. And I will be very happy to see you live as soon as possible. Yes, we look forward to it. All right. Thanks again, Eve. And we'll catch everyone next time on the Move Daily Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. To hear more, head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe to the Move Daily Health Podcast. And don't hesitate to leave us a review. Thanks for listening.